0: Snuff
1: Production. Hello, welcome to The Briefing. It's Friday, the 2nd of July. I'm Tom Tilly, joined by Jan Fran. And today, Jan, we're going deep on the story, the tragedy of Britney Spears.
0: Yeah, the trials and the tribulations. I feel I'm at that perfect age to have followed Britney's career from start to what it is now, like late 90s when she became a pop starlet. I remember the 2000s when she was a party girl. I remember the mid-2000s when she was a young mum that was really struggling with mental health issues and the tabloids were just going crazy, you know, all the way through to her Vegas residency to sort of where she is now, where she's asking to be free of this conservatorship that she's under.
1: Yeah, I guess the point there is that you saw the rise where a lot of younger people have probably only seen the fall and the struggle.
0: Yeah, depending on how old you are, actually, you know Britneys from different points of her life. Maybe you just know her from her Instagram account.
1: (laughs) Which is uh, great viewing, but there's obviously so much more to the story, a really tough story. So today we're going to explain what the Free Britney movement is all about.
2: It's really hard to imagine from the outside what it could be that requires such a drastic arrangement. There are other ways to manage someone's mental health problems than completely taking away their rights
1: yeah so that arrangement he's talking about there and that's a u.s reporter from the atlantic is this conservatorship legal arrangement so we're going to explain what that is and why Brittany wants it to end before that let's get into today's headlines
0: Well, the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, will leave quarantine today and he's going to leave it for a very tense National Cabinet meeting with state and territory leaders.
1: Yeah, there's several controversial items on the agenda. Um, First, there's the AstraZeneca advice for under-40s, which he gave on Monday night and then started a massive fight with Queensland, who pushed back really hard. Um, Plus, Victoria and Queensland are going to be calling for a massive reduction in overseas arrivals. Dan Andrews is saying he wants a 75 to 80% drop in overseas arrivals, and Queensland are back in that call.
0: Yeah, the PM um, also told News Corp that he's going to seek to broker deals with state and territory leaders to set minimum rates of vaccinations needed to avoid lockdown and to give travel exemptions to people who've been vaccinated as well.
1: Yeah, that sounds kind of ambitious, doesn't it, to try and, you know, talk about the future when we're in such a mess this week.
0: A lot of our uh, pandemic planning has been ambitious and in many ways we haven't hit those ambitious targets, sadly. ScoMo's been in isolation for two weeks. If you haven't heard from him too much, that's why he's been at the Lodge quarantining since returning from the G7 in the UK last month. He has been criticised by Labor, actually, for not making public statements as half of the country goes into lockdown.
1: Instead, he's had Simon Birmingham, the finance minister, out there trying to uh, calm down this fight with Queensland. Um, Here's some of what he said yesterday. The type of scaremongering we've seen coming from the Queensland Premier and the Queensland chief medical officer don't help. Confidence. They do help anti-vaxxers. Yeah,
0: Birmingham was out yesterday saying that Australia is uh, "quote unquote" at the back of the queue for the Pfizer vaccination. So he's admitted it. <laughs> so he's admitted it. It's the first time he's um, he's used that language. And the PM, of course, you know, for the last twelve months, has been saying we're at the front of the queue. We're at the front of the queue, and now which we're
1: not. Israel, we're at the front of the queue. America, we're at the front of the queue. We're not.
0: Yeah, which we're very clearly not. But the line still remains that anybody who wants a Pfizer dose um, should be able to, at the very least, seek one by the end of October.
1: Yeah. And there was a small um, increase in people under 40 getting the AstraZeneca jab, about 1,500 more compared to last week. So compared to like the total daily vaccinations of 160,000, it's pretty small. So my read on that is that there's not a huge number of people going, yep, I'll take it, not yet at least.
0: Yeah, the former PM, Malcolm Turnbull, was out yesterday giving interviews and he called our vaccine rollout the biggest failure of public administration policy ever. That's huge. Maybe that's why there's not too many people taking up the vaccination.
1: And the last of Australia's 80 defence personnel pulled out of Afghanistan in the middle of last month, according to an ABC report from yesterday, but there's still no official confirmation.
0: Yeah, so the ADF website says that they are still in the country. Um, The government hasn't commented on that report so far. Now, the federal government previously announced that Australian troops would be withdrawing by September. They have refused to provide any updates, though, uh, for what they say security reasons.
1: At the same time, the American troops are packing up their facilities in Kabul uh, with Jada Thompson from the US Army telling media it was surreal to see American forces leave after being there for almost 20 years.
0: The war has started before I was born, so it's like crazy that I get to be here to close it down. Yeah, crazy is one word to describe it. You know, there would be a whole generation of Americans and also of Afghans who've known nothing but war. I mean, we spent 20 years um, in Afghanistan and the war there claimed 41 ADF lives as well.
1: One of Donald Trump's most senior executives has surrendered to police in New York after he was charged with tax crimes.
0: Yeah, the chief financial officer of the Trump organisation, Alan Weisselberg, is expected to appear in court today. Um, he'll likely face charges alongside the Trump organisation itself over allegations that he and other executives received perks, such as rent-free apartments and lease cars, but that they failed to report them properly on their tax returns.
1: Weaselberg was the longtime lieutenant of Donald Trump and has accused prosecutors of going after him as a way to get to the former president.
0: And William and Harry, the princes there, have united in London to unveil a statue of their late mother, Princess Diana.
1: The bronze statue was erected in Kensington Palace in London and it was unveiled by the brothers on what would have been Diana's 60th birthday.
0: Yeah, so it's received mixed reviews from critics. This statue sort of features the princess standing with three children.
1: Random children?
0: Yeah, ra- random children. And one of them is kind of hidden behind her. There's a boy and two girls, I think. Yeah. Do you like it? No, I don't love it. Why? I don't know. I'm not a fan of statues in general. I find them just a very bizarre thing. Tear them down? <laughs> I mean, who knows? They might be tearing this one down in
1: 50 years. I think I- she looks really nice in the statue. Um, I just quite, don't quite get the children, and one of them looks like a sort of a, a mini-adult. Like, it just looks like they've got an adult and shrunken it down rather than yeah. get a young child. So
0: they haven't done a good job, have they? Because we're sitting here discussing whether one of the kids looks like an adult and what's going on, and <laughs> it's it's not clear.
1: Look, it got the brothers together. That warms my heart. <laughs> it did. And there's fresh news related to today's briefing topic on Britney Spears. An LA judge has knocked out an attempt by Britney Spears to have her father taken out of this conservatorship arrangement. This ruling is a verdict on a petition filed um, by her lawyer several months ago to have uh, Mr Jamie Spears removed from the arrangement.
0: Yeah, so that means that it's actually separate to the case that got the world's attention last week when she gave a very um, dramatic 24-minute testimony to the court. It's not that. That case is still playing out as you're about to hear. It's Britney, bitch. Brought by ambulance to a Los
1: Angeles hospital.
0: In this briefing, we're going to take you into the world of Britney Spears, from where it all began to now, where she's fighting to free herself from a 13-year conservatorship that she says is abusive. They're really all in on this together, and it's part of a corrupt system that has allowed this to happen. <laughs>
1: Brittany made massive headlines all around the world last week after a 23-minute phone call where she told a US judge that under this legal arrangement, the conservatorship, she'd been drugged, forced to perform against her will and is being made to continue using a contraceptive, an in-body contraceptive, an IUD, despite wanting to have children. And this was the first time we'd heard Brittany herself speaking about this conservatorship. I'm truly shocked at what I heard about the conservatorship.
2: She has expressed that she wants it to end. She's incredibly sweet and I want her to be happy. Yeah, they were
0: Britney fans speaking uh, after Britney made that appearance in the courtroom. What do we want? Britney! When do we want her? Now! Well, Britney's campaign hit a bit of a stumbling block just yesterday when a judge in LA denied a previous request to remove her father from her conservatorship. Now, you might be thinking that it's a response to her pleas last week. It's not. Yesterday's decision was actually in response to a request that Britney made last October. Now, at the time, her lawyers said that Spears was afraid of her father, Jamie. What is this American legal arrangement that is called a conservatorship exactly? And should Britney be freed of it?
1: Spencer Cornhaber is a writer at The Atlantic. He covers pop culture and music for The Atlantic. He's been following this one really closely. Spencer, thanks for joining us. Take us back to the time before this conservatorship came into place in 2008. What was going on for Brittany?
2: As a lot of people might remember, it was kind of a turbulent time in her life and in popular culture more broadly. Um, she was coming off a really successful streak in the early 2000s, but as she grew up from the teenage uh pop princess that everyone knew and kind of moved into adulthood she did things that um you know people kind of tend to do in their early 20s like you know party and drink um and go out a lot uh and act out against uh kind of expectations um so she was doing all that but she was kind of the most famous person in the world And that was leading to a ton of paparazzi attention, media scrutiny, questions from the press about who she's dating, her virginity, things like that. And it seemed to um, really agitate her. Uh, And it created this cycle where she was sort of openly feuding with the paparazzi who were following her constantly. At the same time, she had a couple of somewhat turbulent romantic relationships. She had two kids at a pretty young age. When she divorced her ex husband, Kevin Federline, that led to a custody battle over the kids. That custody battle was happening at the same time that she was uh, in the press being seen as acting erratically. And it kind of all came to a head in late 2007. And in 2008, that was the period when famously she shaved her head and attacked Mm -hmm. a paparazzi car with an umbrella.
0: Don't, guys, please, please, guys, don't do this. She
2: was determined to be possibly unfit to have custody of her children. There was a standoff over her giving up her children and it resulted in her being committed to a psychiatric facility twice in one month. Another chapter in her long-running custody battle with ex-husband Kevin
1: Federline over their two sons. Spears was taken by stretcher into the emergency
2: room. Her husband Federline was at the hospital when she arrived. That was the point at which her father stepped in and sought uh, legal guardianship over her.
0: So we don't have the exact equivalent of this conservatorship that her father sought over her. So before we get to the order that was placed on Brittany, can you just sort of explain to us, just in general terms, what a conservatorship means in the U.S.?
2: It's basically an arrangement that gives a person or multiple people legal guardianship over someone else who is unable to take care of themselves. Um, Typically they're used for people who are severely mentally incapacitated, whether from an injury, uh, dementia, Alzheimer, things like that. There are a couple of varieties of them that confer different rights to the guardian. In Britney's case, I believe that it's sort of bifurcated so that that one guardian is in control of her finances and another is kind of in control of her personal decisions, medical decisions, kind of uh, day-to-day life. These are arrangements that are uh, enforced by the court. They often are overseen by people who are professional guardians, professional conservators, uh, whose job it is is to care for multiple people. The guardians are supposed to be fiduciaries, so they have a legal obligation to make all their choices in the best interest of their of the person they're conserving, but they are also often compensated. In the case of someone like Brittany, who has a lot of assets and a lot of income, critics of these structures say that there can arise a lot of conflicts of interest between the obligation to do what's in the client's best interest and the ability for the guardian to enrich themselves. So
1: did this arrangement make sense? at the time, or was it problematic from the start?
2: It's a great question, and um, there are a lot of critics of this current structure and what's happening with her right now who, who do say that in 2008, she really did need something like this, and at the very least, it appeared to succeed at calming her life down, kind of regaining a sense of stability, putting her back into regular contact with her kids, and restarting her career. There hasn't been a lot of drama in Britney Spears' world for the past 13 years, and you can say that this arrangement is probably a big part of why. Um, On the other hand, it was clear from the beginning that she did not want this to be happening. She sought to hire her own lawyer and fight her father in court, but a judge ruled that she was mentally unfit enough to even select her own uh, legal counsel. So she ended up not being able to vigorously contest it. And so from the beginning, there's sort of the ethical question of whether this is okay.
0: Right, so she goes under conservatorship in 2008. For the most part, her career seems to, if not recover, certainly bounce back. She tries to get rid of this conservatorship. She's told no by a judge. As we know, a judge ruled overnight that she can't remove her father from the arrangement that was in regards to a previous plea but last week's request, which is a separate court filing, is still being considered. In the last few years, we've seen something called the Free Brittany" movement emerge as well. So can you talk us through when we started hearing these rumblings that something was maybe not right here and that Britney needed to be freed?
2: There's certainly been a uh, contingent of fans who have been saying Free Britney since as early as maybe 2009, just looking at the facts of the situation and saying, you know, this is for these fans, they look up to her as this idol and um they see that she was out there performing and and having a successful career and um, have always just sort of had objections to the arrangement on principle but in the past maybe five years there's been just a lot more media attention and mainstream attention to what's been happening it sort of flared up again with a 2016 new york times story that was just an update on what is the deal with Britney Spears not having control of her own life. But then that sort of escalated a couple of years later when very suddenly she canceled a planned residency in Las Vegas and news broke of her father um, checking into a hospital uh, with medical problems. And that was followed soon after by her checking into a mental health care facility, supposedly of her own free will. Um, what she's now alleging is that 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 was the moment when she started to bulk at some of the professional demands being placed on her. She told the court that she didn't want to do the Vegas residency. And when she pushed back as punishment, she was committed to this facility. And since then, she has taken some steps in court to, uh, yeah, to change the, the structure. And for a while, it seemed like all that she really wanted was her father to be out of the arrangement. But very recently, it's come to light that she really wants the whole thing to end and is through with it.
1: So she made that big statement in court last week that got everyone's attention. I think probably one of the most attention grabbing elements was saying that she didn't even have control to take a contraceptive device out of her own body and have a child. What were the other big claims that she made? Because uh, we, we've now learned that her father's come out pushing back, calling for an inquiry into whether what she said in that statement was actually true or not
2: it was a long speech came out to like forty five hundred words when you type it out and she was talking fast uh so there was a lot in it then the top line is just like we now know that she doesn't like the situation you know fans for years had been calling it into question but but there was always the sense that you can't really push back against uh against this thing or criticize too much because it seems like she's basically fine with it she has always had the legal right to ask to be the conservatorship to end and she's never exercised that but now we see that she's wanted out so that's so that's sort of the top line but then within that there's the revelation that she says that she didn't know that she could ask for this thing to end mm-hmm. um that's really um uh, sort of baffling thing to hear um, and it calls into question the sort of legal advice that she's gotten from her court appointed lawyer other things that she said uh were about how she was forced uh, she says she was forced into the, the mental health treatment facility and she, she describes extremely degrading conditions there saying that she was basically treated like a sex worker uh not saying that she was um, sexually exploited but that she was basically forced into uh, sort of 24 7 sort of labor and captivity she said that she had no privacy there. People watched her change while she was naked. And uh, she says they put her on lithium, which is a much more powerful drug than anything she'd been on, and it essentially um, impaired her for a long period of time. She also said that she feels that she's traumatized and has lived in denial, and that's why um, it took so long for her to speak out about the arrangement.
0: Her father, Jamie, has asked for an investigation into Brittany's claims that she's been mistreated. Now, his lawyers said yesterday in a court filing that he was greatly saddened to hear of his daughter's difficulties. Spencer, where do you see this case going? I mean, will Brittany be able to end this conservatorship that she's under?
2: The public still doesn't really know what she's been diagnosed with, what what her um, alleged medical conditions are. They may be, you know, a lot more serious than we know. On the other hand, you know, she's she gave a very coherent speech in court mm. and she's been performing for all these years. So um, it's really hard to imagine from the outside what it could be that requires such a drastic arrangement. You know, there are other ways to manage someone's mental health problems than completely taking away their rights.
0: That was Spencer Cornhaber from The Atlantic speaking there, and I think he makes a good point that anybody listening to Britney's testimony in court would absolutely have empathy with her and possibly feel like maybe she is ready to be free of this conservatorship. Look, yesterday's decision was probably a bit of a setback. It is in response to a petition late last year, though. So the judge is very much considering her latest pleas and obviously yet to make a decision. So who knows how it'll play out.
1: All right, that is it for today's briefing. Uh, Tomorrow, you'll have the weekend briefing dropping into your feed with Jamila Rizvi. Jamila, who is on this week?
0: Hey, Tom, I have a feeling you are going to be one big fan of this weekend's briefing. I sat down with former Australian cricket captain Michael Clarke and we talked about everything from being a professional sportsperson and the insane pressure, the brutality of the media spotlight that he faced on the field... And off the field, we talked about him being a dad to a now kindergartner, and we talked about his dear friend, the late Philip Hughes.
1: Well, Michael Clark was pretty private, but there was a lot going on in his private life, so hoping to hear some of that as well. Uh, plenty of gossip, um, plus, you know, all about his career and his family as well. Thanks, Jamila, looking forward to that. We'll be back Monday with the regular briefing. Have a great weekend. Listener.